Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Piano is really helping us. So if you see Josh, say, Josh, thank you for eliminating the awkwardness of, um, what do they call it? Not um, Acapella, acapella music, yeah. Um, I remember one of the first times I took, the when I'd first taken the class, um, there was a guy who came and visited, and uh, we went to coffee afterwards, and uh, he, he came in and he was like, you know, he was like, I don't know that I've ever been in a Sunday school class that sings songs. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, yeah, we try to sing something like every Sunday. He goes, and I also don't know that I've ever been in a Sunday school class that sing like trust acapella well enough. And I was like, man, Jordan is the man. Like Jordan was already outside of his comfort zone. And then we're like singing acapella. And he's like, so anyways, but he was very impressed by that. And he actually ended up coming the whole semester that he was here. And he even said, he was like, I'll be honest with you. Like I come just for the acapella music. And I was like, you go for it, man. So some of you that complained, let's see, it's all about your spirit, all right? Uh, Genesis chapter number 22. I do appreciate Jordan, Josh, um, even Matt hopping up here and uh, doing, uh, even Matt, that sounded bad. <laughs> Especially Matt. Uh, no, and uh, they do a great job and they help us out in a great way. Um, and we are actually once everybody gets settled down, um, we're going to try to get together and we'll have a, some fall, a fall activity schedule coming out for you here pretty soon. And so it um, seems like if someone's not sick, then someone's busy. And if someone's busy, then we're sick or something like that. So uh, anyways, it's been a wild couple of weeks uh, for even our family. So it's, uh, it's good to see everybody. I, how many of you love coming to class and coming to church and just getting an opportunity to sit and maybe be around people? Man. Good, good. All two of you, good. So um, here's here's one of my biggest goals with this class. All right, I'll just I'll just share my heart. This is not in my notes at all. I'll share my heart with you for just a second. Okay, I understand that um, for many of you, uh, you live a life that maybe through the week it's busy. Uh, you don't get to interact with maybe a lot of people from church. Maybe you don't even get to interact with a lot of Christians. And one of my goals is that when you walk in this room is for it to feel like it's a break and not a burden, okay? Um, which is one of the reasons why I'm very careful to uh, try to overextend you in some areas. I know that if you are um, a member of our church, chances are you're getting asked to serve in nursery, chances are you're getting asked to teach a class, chances are you're getting asked to uh, maybe share uh, something, maybe share a testimony somewhere, and you're getting asked a lot, and then throw in that you get asked to be a babysitter, you get asked to do this, you get asked, so anyways, but when you walk in this room, my one of my goals is that it would feel like a break and not a burden, and so Jordan, Matt, and Karis, and Brittany, um, and Josh even helping out with the piano, um, they are all crucial to that happening, and so um, they really help us out as we try to make that something to where you can walk in and enjoy it rather than see it as something to where, oh no, I gotta come to Crosspoint and Joel's gonna ask me to do 25 things. I'm not. Um, I'm just gonna ask you to uh, be a growing Christian 
and uh, I think the Lord will take care of the rest. And so with that in mind, Genesis chapter number 22 is where we're going to be today. We've been in a series entitled The Christian Mind, The Christian Mind. And so this is lesson number eight of ten. Um, we will finish this up here in about two Sundays. But the goal of it is to give biblical principles that apply to the human mind. So how do we take something that is as big and as maybe relevant and um, culturally relevant as what the world refers to as mental health? How do we take biblical principles and speak into that? And I've said this at the beginning of the series, but this is not something to where we are trying to solve maybe mental health from a physical aspect. We're not trying to maybe solve it from a medical aspect. <laughs> Was that distracting for anyone? <laughs> um, we're not trying to solve those things. We're simply trying to maybe speak into a culturally relevant topic with biblical principle. And so we want to take the Bible and see at what it has to say about the mind, see what it has to say about how God's word and living the Christian life applies to the mind. And so on Wednesday nights, we've kind of been taking a practical approach. We've been breaking down really three different sections. First of all, restriction. Second of all, refocusing. And we just moved into the third aspect, and that is renewal. And then on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about really battles, some topics, some things that our minds tend to struggle with. I want you to mark your calendars for week number 10 of this series, and it'll be the close of it. We'll close it out on actually our open house Sunday. But we're going to talk about battling failed expectations. Battling failed expectations, because I think that one of the things that our mind so often struggles with is what to do when it doesn't work out the way we thought it should. But with that in mind, we're going to look at today, we're going to look at battling, well, I just forgot my title, you guys got it up there, battling sacrifice, battling sacrifice, okay? I want you to listen to this one because it's kind of, it's kind of a two-edged sword, okay? So I don't want you to walk out of here and misconstrue this, so listen with your heart, listen with your, uh, listen with the Spirit's filling, and let's look at Genesis chapter number 22, a familiar story, but maybe for many of you it's been a while since you read it. Genesis chapter number 22, talking about Isaac and Abraham, Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. Let's read verse number one. The Bible says this, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with, the, with him and Isaac's, Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. So now they've been traveling for quite some time. The Bible says this in verse number 5, And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and worship and come again to you. People make a big deal about verse number five because he's, he already promises, he already is showing his faith that he and Isaac are going to return. And the Bible says this in verse number six. And so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, 
and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. Which, by the way, this isn't a part of the lesson, but notice how many times Abraham has said, Here am I in this passage. Three times. First of all, to God. Secondly, to Isaac. Thirdly, once again, to God in verse number 11. Verse number 12. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt sacrifice or a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. And he said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars in the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall be all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. I want you to go back and look at verse number 13. The Bible says this, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt, burnt offering in the stead of his son. Let's pray, and we'll ask the Lord to help us as we look into this lesson. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the day that you have given us. Lord, I pray that you would help me as I speak. Lord, you know that um, really I feel uh, at a point to where... Um, I don't know that I am ready to completely share my heart behind this passage and how you've used it in my life. And so, Lord, I ask you to give me strength today, or I ask that you would give me wisdom to say that which you would have me to say. Lord, I ask that you would uh, just be with our class. Lord, help us to take this as you would have us to and look into your word for help and for help in our minds as we've already seen throughout this series. In your name we pray. Amen. Battling sacrifice. You know, sometimes as human beings... Um, we have a tendency to glorify big sacrifices, don't we? Um, we have a tendency to honor those who have made big and extreme sacrifices. We, we should honor our veterans. We should honor those who have maybe died in the line of duty for their sacrifice. And so we honor them. And sometimes in the Christian life, we have a way of elevating or if you even want to say platforming or honoring or whatever word you want to use right there of honoring sacrifice and we should but here's the truth is that for some the reason why we don't sacrifice or maybe the reason why we struggle with trusting God maybe the reason why we don't necessarily understand what God is even doing in our hearts and in our lives is because we feel as though he's asking too much of us. I don't want you to raise your hands, but how many of you have ever been in that situation? 
You've been in a situation to where maybe you say, man, God, I just don't understand. I feel like you're giving me too much. I, I feel like that this is too much for me to handle. And so we begin to reel in the reins and, and almost become a little bit selfish, if you want to say it like that. And so I want you to notice that in this passage, Abraham actually has a little bit of a time frame from the time that God tells him what he's going to do until the time that he gets there. Can you imagine the burden on his mind as he begins to walk and journey through to make this sacrifice? He has no clue what's going to happen. He has no clue how it's going to work out. He doesn't have a sacrifice. All he has done is basically said, I'm going to take the first step of faith. I'm going to decide that I'm going to follow God. It's interesting to me that God doesn't even give him a location. Abraham could have made this very convenient. But he chose to follow God's location and basically step out by faith, trusting God that he was going to provide for the sacrifice. And here's what I want you to notice before we dive into the points. Is that I think that if many of you were honest right now, here's where you're at as a Christian. As I look across churches, as I look across Christians, it's not that you don't want to give more to God. It's that for many of you, you don't know how much more you have left to give to God. It's not that you don't want to give more to God. It's that for many of you, you don't know how much more you have left to give to God. And that's not a great place to be, is it? Abraham in this passage had one son. He had already received the promise from God. He had already, already told God that, that he had already dedicated Isaac back to him. God had provided Isaac for him. He had already received the promise. Can you imagine having a promise that your seed was going to be great, that it was going to be multiplied, that you were going to be the father of many nations, and then you get one kid, and then God says, I need that kid. That's a, that's a pretty big mental burden, right? That's a pretty heavy heart that you now have to say, okay, do I trust God enough to continue to do this? And so here's what I want you to look at. When you talk about sacrifice, you're going to ask the question of, God, I don't know how much more I can give. God, I don't know how much more I can do. God, I don't know where else to turn. And here's what I want you to see is that God often uses our sacrifice. And please listen to this if you hear nothing else today. God often uses our sacrifice in our life as a means to refocus our hearts and minds on the sacrifice that he made for our lives. You see, without Genesis chapter number 22, we don't really get a very good Old Testament picture of the gospel that is about to come through Jesus Christ unless we have Genesis chapter number 22. And here's what I would say is that we are no more like Christ than when we choose to maybe bear the mental burden, the physical burden, the spiritual and emotional burden to sacrifice ourselves for the good of those around us. And so with that in mind, let's look at three different thoughts about how we battle sacrifice in our minds. First of all is this, give God time to work. Give God time to work. Let me, before we read the passage or before we look at the verses, let me paint you a scenario. How many of you, you've ever been in a situation to where you need God to work and you need him to work like it feels like right away, right? You need God to work and it feels like you need him to work right away. And so what do we do? 
we say, okay, I'm in this predicament, I'm in this scenario, and so I need God to step in and I need him to do it like yesterday, okay? Like I don't have any more money in the bank account, I, I, I'm spent emotionally, I, I'm tired of this relationship, I'm, I'm tired physically, I, like I'm going to, if I don't, if God doesn't step in and at least give me a C on this test, then I'm going to flunk, flunk the class and I'm going to have to take this semester all over again. We need God to step in like right away, okay? We've all been there. And here's what we so often do as human beings who really have the world at our fingertips is yes, we go to God in prayer, but if God can't solve it immediately for us, then what do we do? We turn inward and we begin to look to ourselves. Abraham, and this is so crucial to this passage, Abraham in this passage begins to travel and begins a journey to an undisclosed location that God is telling him as he journeys, okay? Let that sink in. Most of us don't get in the car and just wait for our GPS to take us wherever it wants to. And yet that's exactly what Abraham did in this passage. And I want you to catch this. If Abraham would have rushed this and said, God wants me to sacrifice my son. All right, let's get out here. Let's get the sticks put together. Let's go put Isaac on the altar. Let's just get it over with. Let's do what's convenient. I'm going to solve this my way. Then he would have never gotten to see the miracle of verse number 13. And so many times as human beings, wow, got my belt loop caught on that and it about took me down right there, all right? So many times as human beings, here's what we do. God, I need you to step in. God, I need you to help. God, I need you to fix this. God, I need you to solve this. God, I need you to heal this. And when God doesn't, okay, God, then I've got it. And we never allow God to get to the point to where he can even show himself strong. We never allow our obedience and our faith and our trust in God. God, I'm going to go three days. And guess what? There's a good possibility that I'm going to travel three days up this mountain and then come back and have to have a three-day journey to where I now have to think about how I just sacrificed my son on that mountain. Abraham could have said, let's just make this easy. Let's walk 20 minutes outside of where we're set up for camp. Let's sacrifice Isaac and let's get back and let's get, let's get moving. But instead, he had three days, three days of prayer, three days of thinking, three days of burdens, three days of tears. But those three days were worth it because at the end, he got to see God work. So first of all, when you're battling sacrifice, let's give God the time to work. But then secondly, let's be prepared. Be prepared. You see, giving God time to work in verses 3 and 4, it says this, uh, And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. But then notice, be prepared. Verse number 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. So he's brought wood and laid it upon Isaac and he took the fire in his hand. So now he's brought the fire and a knife. And now he's brought the knife. Abraham brought everything that he needed to obey God and do what God had told him to do. 
I would dare say that if most of us were in that situation and God said, all right, I need you to make this big sacrifice, we would show up and be like, God, if you want me to kill my son, then you're going to need to provide the wood, you're going to provide the fire, and you're going to need to provide something for me to start cutting them up, right? But Abraham came prepared to do what God had told him to do. Can I just encourage you with this? That right now at this stage of your life, many of the things that you see as burdens one of these days will be counted as blessings because of what you've experienced. God, why are you making me flip burgers at McDonald's? God, why are you making me go through this with my relationships? God, why are you making me go through this in my education? God, why are you making me go through this health problem? God, why are you making me go through this? I can't tell you how many times the things that I complained about in my early life are now the things that I rejoice in today. Because they've helped prepare me for what I am facing right now. just had a conversation with a staff member the other day that was telling me about all the different jobs that he had had in his life. All the different things. And he said, you know, I was raised like you find a job, you stick it out, you do it, whatever. He was like, now I look back on it. And he said, there were things that I learned at every single juncture and every single job that I had had in my life that he said, I use today for the Lord's work. And it could very well be that that trial that you've been through is something that five to ten years from now, you'll be able to look someone in the eyes and you'll be able to grieve with them. Those maybe problems that you've had relationally in your family are something that you'll be able to look someone in the eyes and you'll be able to say, I know where you're coming from. Let me pray for you. Let me help you. But too often we are quick to run from the preparation process that God is using to prepare us for what He has in our future. We just see the burden. We just see the sticks. We just see the fire. We just see the knife. And we say, man, I don't want that. That's heavy. That's hard. That's difficult. And so I'm going to avoid that like, like the plague. I'm going I'm to miss out on that. I don't want to be a part of that. And when we skip out on those burdens, here's what we're missing. We're missing the opportunity 10 to 15 years down the road to be able to say, Lord, I can use those burdens that you gave me to be a blessing to someone else. Genesis chapter number 22 is a picture of the gospel. And unless we have the fire and unless we have the knife and unless we have the burnt sacrifice, we don't really get a very good picture of the gospel, do we? We see a belligerent Abraham walking up a mountain to obey God, and maybe out of anger, to obey God out of bitterness, and yet he willingly obeys, obeys God and obeys the Lord and says, this is what I'm going to do because I trust you. Your preparation process right now as a young adult is so crucial. You might not understand why you've been broken up with five times. But it could very well be that it's because God is preparing you for who He has for you. You may not understand why you've struggled financially, but it could very well be because God is preparing you for what He has for you. You may not understand why you've struggled with grief or maybe sickness in your family, but it could very well be that it is because God is preparing for you. And let me stop for just a second and show you something. We live in such a narcissistic and selfish society that many times we miss the opportunity to be a help and a blessing to someone else because we simply just want to avoid the pain for ourselves. We miss an opportunity to maybe help someone else because, God, this stinks for me, and so if it stinks for me, I don't care about anyone else. I, I don't really care about, God, I'm not going to give you time to work because I just want to solve it myself. 
I'm just going to go to YouTube. I'm just going to go to go to my friend and just say, hey, I need help with this, or I'm going to cheat my way out of this, or I'm just going to quit, or I'm going to give up. And so many of God's blessings are missed out on because we simply don't give God time to work. We don't understand that he could very well be preparing us for something that is much bigger than we understand. It could be that you miss out on getting to share the gospel and see someone saved from hell because you skipped out on an opportunity that God was using to prepare you. Don't let that be said of your life. Don't avoid what is difficult just for the joy of, of enjoying maybe what is good or maybe what, what you want to pursue or what you find happiness in. Enjoy some of the difficult times because here's why. That it is in those difficult times that I believe that you find, thirdly, God's grace in the midst of sacrifice. God's grace in the midst of sacrifice. Now let me just go ahead and make a statement here and clarify what I'm saying in, verse, in, in this third point. I'm not going to contort this passage to tell you that the ram caught in the thicket means that every problem you face in this life, you'll find a solution from God. Okay? That's not what I'm saying. Did everybody hear that, right? Because sometimes I will hear people look at Genesis chapter number 22 and they'll talk about, they'll talk about, well, look, God provided and God provided and God provided. And so we face cancer and we assume that we're going to be the first cancer patient that gets to find the cure for cancer. Well, God provided a ram in the thicket and so he's going to provide a cure for cancer when I face it. That's not what this passage is teaching. What Genesis chapter number 22 is teaching is this, is that God's grace is sufficient in the midst of the sacrifice. Yes, the ram was the solution to Abraham and Isaac's problem. But the grace of God was not that he offered a solution, it was that he offered a sacrifice. And I want you to catch this because I think that this is what we miss too many times as Christians. We miss that God is still good even when our situations are not. Because we immediately say, God, I've got this problem. God, I know you're a big enough and you're a strong enough and you're an omniscient and an omnipotent enough God to provide me a solution for the problem. And so we roll into trials and we roll into difficulties and we're immediately looking for the solution and we miss this. We miss that God has given grace in the midst of the problem. We miss that, that God is maybe not our lucky rabbit's foot to solve our problems, but He is a God who walks with us through those problems. And here's where we've gotten as Christians, and I've, I've alluded to this on Sunday mornings when I've preached maybe in the main service, is that we would rather have God solve our problem than have God in the midst of our problem. God, just fix it. God, just, just, just handle it. God, just, just take care of it and I'll be good. God, I'll trust you if you just, if you just solve it. And so because of that, when God doesn't solve it, here's what we tend to do as Christians. We tend to say, okay, God, if you can't solve it, then I can't trust you. God, if you can't fix this problem, if you can't fix this situation, then, pfft, then I'm not going to serve you. And we miss that the ram caught in the thicket was God's grace in the midst of that trial. 
was God showing himself strong in the midst of that problem. And can I just encourage you with this? I've had too many conversations recently with people who are walking away from maybe their Christian faith or walking away from church or walking away from something because they don't know how to handle difficulty. Find me someone in Scripture who didn't have something go wrong in their life. And so here's what we do. Something doesn't work out the way that we think it should. God maybe asked too much of us, we feel like. And we allow our minds to begin to say, well, maybe God isn't as good as what I thought he was. Can you imagine being Abraham on that three-day journey? <laughs> God, you promised me something. You're a liar. God, you said I was going to be the father of many nations. You gave me one son. You gave me one shot at that, and you're about to take it from me. God, you gave me one chance at that, and I'm about to give him to you. I don't trust you. I'm sure Abraham was more spiritual than the thoughts that I would be having at that point. But yet every step of that journey, Abraham displayed his faith. He gave God time to work. He was prepared for what he was getting ready to do and what was getting ready to be asked of him. But in the midst of that, he also stepped back and he got to see God's grace in the midst of that sacrifice. Can I just talk to you for, I need to see what time it is, one minute, okay? Right now, the world needs to see a strong church and strong Christians. And many times, the strength of your faith is not shown until it is under fire. You've all heard it said, I don't even know who to give credit to it, to it for anymore, is that a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Meaning this, that there may very well be some sacrifices in the days ahead for Christians and for the church, capital C, that we step back and say, whoa, this is way too big, God. Are you kidding me? I really am going to have to lose my job for my faith? Are you kidding me? I'm really going to have to lose a relationship for what I stand for? Are you kidding me? I'm really going to have to maybe go to bat for something that seems so easy? I'm going to have to sacrifice that? Yeah. And guess what? People in Scripture had to do that and much more. I'm not trying to scare anyone in this room, but here's what, I, here's what I want you to see. Is that the rest of the world looks at the generation in this room and sees it as weak, sees it as part of the problem. And can I just tell you where I'm coming from right now? Is that I believe the generation sitting in this room could very well be a part of the solution moving forward. If we can see God teach us how to handle difficulty. If we can see God teach us how to battle sacrifice to where there's nothing too great that God can ask of me, to where there's nothing too big that God can want me to do, to where there's nothing that scares me because I trust God enough to say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to take that journey. I'm going to trust that you're, I'm going to be prepared. There are things right now that occurred in your teenage years that you've tried to bury under a rug, but could very well be something that God, is, God used and, is, and was using to prepare you for this moment right now. 
There are things right now that have occurred in your job and things that have occurred in your relationships and things that have occurred with other people around you. There are things right now that have occurred with some of your finances and some of your education that God is using to prepare you to be a help and a blessing to someone else. And unfortunately, we have bought into the lie of the American Christian dream. I said that specifically because here's why. Where we will work harder to protect what we want out of this life than we will to protect what God desires for us to do. Well, God, I want to make money and, and I'll still be a Christian. I'll still come to church. I'll, I'll even tithe. I'll, I'll do that. We work harder to protect that than to actually protect and say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe go through some difficulty because I want to be a help and a blessing to someone else. I, I want to do what God has given me an opportunity to do on this earth. And so with every head bowed and every head closed, we'll close in prayer. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.